0: real quick before we dive into this episode of the podcast. Be sure to grab your free PDF copies of my latest books at frugal.show forward slash free. Now on to the show. Welcome to the Frugal preneur podcast. I am your host Sarah St. John and my guest today is a veteran and retired U.S. Navy officer having served for 20 years. He's also a licensed realtor, and he's the podcast host of Average Joe Finances and the founder and CEO of Edit Pods. Welcome to the show, Mike Cavagioni.
1: Hey, Sarah. Thank you so much for having me on, and great job with my name.
0: That's so good to finally have you on the show because we've known each other for a while now, and I was on your show, I don't know, probably a couple years ago, I'd bet. So it's good to finally have you on. I know I just gave a brief intro, but if you could explain more who you are, your background, and how you're able to balance so many irons in the fire.
1: So originally from Long Island, New York, and currently living out in Eva Beach, Hawaii. And I made it all the way out here thanks to, like you had mentioned earlier, my, my service in the Navy. So I joined the Navy from Long Island when I was 18 years old, actually 17 years old, but I didn't ship out to boot camp until I was 18. And then it just started like this whole path, me being on my own and just wanting to do my own thing. I ship out to Great Lakes and it was my first time like really away from home and finding myself, right? And while I'm doing this, I'm doing it in the Navy. When I first joined, it almost felt like I went back to high school again, just with the way some drama was. But made it through, pushed through and spent 15 years on the East Coast in the Virginia Beach area, Norfolk. And... And I, I finally, like I, I had been trying the whole time I was in the Navy to either go overseas or just anywhere but Virginia. And I finally had that opportunity to come out here to Hawaii. And I did that and I wound up being able to stay for a second tour and retire here. So it brought me out to my 20-year mark. When I came out to Hawaii, before you moved out here, my wife and I were trying to figure out how to get out of debt. And I'm going to rewind back a little bit. I, I bought my first property when I was 22 years old, right? It was shortly after we got married and we want to start a family and, you know, in order to start a family, we should do the typical thing and buy a home and all that. So that we were living the quote unquote standard American dream, right? And we buy the home. We have the baby. I bought the home in 2007. Real estate market crashed in 2008, 2009. What I paid for the home is not what I sold it for. I bought it for 250,000 and I wound up selling it in 2012. I short sold it for $167,000. Yeah, ouch. So what that did was actually left me in, in a lot of debt, right? At the time, I couldn't sell the home, so I rented it out at a loss You know, during that period. And I was losing about $400 a month. At the same time, my wife and my newborn daughter at the time moved down to Virginia Beach because they went to New York when I deployed. And they moved down to Virginia Beach and we're all staying together. And now I'm paying for this apartment And I'm paying for my mortgage, even though I'm losing the $400 a month on the rent payment. And what I started to notice is like, okay, bills are racking up. Things are piling up. And I I wound up maxing out all my credit cards. And we were just trying to figure it out. And I wound up commissioning as an officer, which is much better pay. From that period on, we were just barely making it. And after we short sold the home with the maxed out credit cards and then this additional debt, we were like, okay, we don't know what to do at this point. So we started following Dave Ramsey's baby steps, right? And we like really sat down, we came up with a good spending plan. And we said, okay, we really need to discipline ourselves. Then we graduated to the envelope system. And we started pulling cash out and physically putting it in envelopes to make it, here's for every little little expense that we have, we have an envelope for that expense. And then we graduated from that to just opening up all these bank accounts to do the same exact thing with bank accounts. And I mean, we had a vet and pet fund, We had a car payment and maintenance fund. We had a fun money account that this was money that we used to like go out to the movies, go out to dinner, whatever it is, individually for each one of us. And then we also had a family fun money account where we did once a month or twice a month, we would go out and do something with the family. And we just stuck to that. And some people questioned me like, hey, why are you putting like all this money to the side for different events instead of dumping that into debt? And I said, look, I said, I know myself and I'm a spender. If I don't put something to the side to spend, I'm going to wind up taking that away from something that's more, you know, necessary, like, you know, paying down my debt. So I was like, I have my set amount that I'm dumping into my debt every month. And then we snowballed it, right? When we paid off a credit card, that payment wound up going to the next credit card and so on and so on and so on. But for me, I I looked at that as, you know, we had this fun money to the side and every time we paid something off, we would go out to dinner, we would celebrate, we would have like a small victory. It's what worked for us, right? And it's one of the things that I I help people out when I was being a financial coach as well. Is like, you know, celebrate the small victories. Don't go out and blow your entire paycheck, but celebrate those wins because it motivates you to keep going. I see so many people that wind up trying to pay off debt and trying to figure things out and they fail because they're too hard on themselves or their budget is too tight and they're just not disciplined enough, right? I'm one of those guys that wasn't disciplined enough, even with all my military training. I needed to have that little, scratch that itch of spending. So anyway, we got past all that and in a two-year period. We paid off over $40,000 in credit card debt and personal loans. And we saved $40,000 into our savings account. That way we had it when we moved to Hawaii. We were able to purchase our home that we wanted and had money left over for renovations because I used my VA loan, you know, 0% down, which was wonderful. And then we had that extra cash to do what we needed with. And that was something that's completely changed the entire trajectory of our lives. And it had me thinking about financial literacy and just what my future is going to look like. Fast forward to shortly after I got to Hawaii, we buy our home and I said, okay, I know what happened in between 2007 to 2012 was awful. We have this bad taste in our mouth with real estate, but I think I want to get back into real estate because when I was a young, young boy, my uncle in upstate New York, we used to go visit. He's the one who actually talked to me about real estate. Cause I asked him, you know, he was buying all these homes in upstate New York. And I said, you know, uncle, why are you buying all these properties up here? And he says, well, one day I'm going to retire from the state, from my state job. It's not going to be enough to supplement me and my family. So he's like, I'm buying these properties to supplement my income in the future so that, you know, when I retire, all I'm going to do is between the first and the fifth is drive around and collect rent checks or cash. I said, oh sounds pretty good but that always stuck in the back of my head so real estate has always been in the back of my mind so we we get out here I started going to real estate meetups and meeting people I got into my first deal which was all the way back in Virginia and we closed on that in February of 2020 and what happened the very next month covid so I said okay dude upstairs like what's going on here you you don't want me in real estate do you and that's what it felt like I felt like you know, real estate wasn't for me, and, but we, we persevered, pushed through. We made that deal work out. It actually wound up cash flowing $950 a month. And I learned about multifamily in the process. And I wanted to just get straight into that because I was able to be a bit more passive because i was still active duty in the Navy. And it was really tough to try to manage my rental property and manage what I was doing in the Navy. And oh, by the way, during that time, I started a podcast as well, pat myself on the back. All I was doing was killing myself, right? So basically, from there, I got into multifamily real estate. We actually sold that duplex, took some of the profits from it. I pulled some money out of my thrift savings plan, which is like a 401k, because they had that COVID relief thing that came out where I could pull it out without taking a penalty. So I pulled some of that out. I took the profits from selling that property and I got into my first apartment syndication with some partners for a 102 unit deal back in Roanoke, Virginia. And that was my first foray into multifamily real estate. And I can get into that later on, but. I I want to try to wrap things up because I know I'm from New York and I can't shut up sometimes. So I'm going to try to wrap it up. But yeah, so that's what got me into multifamily. And then I started the podcast because a buddy of mine convinced me because I had this blog talking about personal finances. He said, hey, dude, I know you like to talk, man. Start a podcast. It's going to be huge. Podcasting's blowing up right now. He's like, dude, you got to start a podcast. So I said, okay, I started the podcast, talked about my personal finance journey. And then I started interviewing amazing people like you, Sarah, who have come on my show and help me turn it into what it's turned into today. And in that process, because you had mentioned edit pods as well, I wound up building my own podcast editing team because I was ripping my hair out. I don't, I don't have much up here anymore. If you see the hat, I'm bald. But yeah, I was ripping my hair out because editing my podcast was kicking my butt between my full-time job in the Navy, between real estate, and then getting my real estate license on top of that. And then coming home and having to edit this podcast every day to make sure my episode for Sunday was ready, I started to realize, I haven't seen my kids this week. I've been having dinner with them, and then that's it. I was like, okay, this is not sustainable. And, And it took me six months to realize that. Shame on me. But it was almost like really bad. So I wound up outsourcing to a team and then completely onboarded them and started my own podcast editing team to help indie podcasters grow their show and take that burden of pain of the editing process off of them. So I'll catch my breath and turn it back over to you because I know sometimes I could be rough.
0: Well, yeah, thanks for sharing. I didn't know the whole backstory and all those details, so I love that. And I did the Dave Ramsey thing as well, the snowball, and paid off all my debt within a couple years as well.
1: And It it works. Steps one through three work, but then after that it gets a little... Like, I'm not going to pay cash for my house, especially not out here in Hawaii. It's ridiculous. Oh,
0: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I don't have any kids, so I can skip the Save for College Fund there step you go. entirely. So in the podcast you had mentioned, it's in the top
1: 1%. Yeah. You know, it It wasn't intentional. It just kind of worked out that way because the the podcast for me at the time was a passion project uh, until one day I found out I was in the top 10%. And I said, oh. How did this happen? Well, let me see if I could push harder and get into the top five percent. And then I did. And then I got into the top two and a half percent, and then in the top one and a half percent, and then in the top one percent, and then I hit the charts in a couple countries and I'm like, what? So for me it was kind of like a motivating thing. Actually, I think I'm actually bumped back down now to the top one point five percent. There's been so many celebrities dropping podcasts uh-huh. left and right that they automatically jump up and it, it bumps other people down. So that's I think that's what happened to me. But for me it wasn't it wasn't ever like a goal to get up there and then it slowly became one when I saw the progress my show was making and honestly the only reason why I wanted to scale the podcast and grow it that way is because of the impact that it's able to make on other people I would get messages on Instagram DMs on there on LinkedIn on Facebook where somebody would refer to an episode and say hey this really helped me out with this situation that I was in or this and that or whatever and to me Now, mind you, my my podcast got a bunch of five-star reviews and one one one-star, which I think was from a hater and a two-star. But anyway, but yeah, all the rest were five-star reviews. And when I got those messages in my DMs, that was meant more to me than any type of review I could have been given or anything else like that, because that gave me the sure knowledge that I impacted somebody. And to me, that, that was the goal from day one, right? I wanted to impact at least one person. And I I'd never really started focusing on the numbers because when I did, it upset me because when I first started the podcast, you know, my first six months, I was like, oh, I'm getting like 20 to 40 downloads a month. I was like, this is, why am I even doing this? I mean, why am I wasting so much time when editing these shows and doing all this stuff, just putting so much effort into it when I'm only talking to like 20 to 40 people? A buddy of mine actually gave me some perspective and he said, Hey, Mike, listen, he's like, take 20 to 40 people and put them in a room. What does that look like? He's like, that's a classroom. He's like, you're teaching a class, you're helping somebody. And I said, okay, well, now that you put it that way, I feel a little bit better about it, but I was like, honestly, I'm really tired of doing the editing. I was like, I I barely see my kids anymore and all this other stuff. And then another buddy of mine said, dude, why don't you just outsource that to someone else? And I said, well, my podcast isn't monetized, so I don't want to pay for something. If the podcast isn't bringing me in money, he's like, well, what's more important to you that time or the money that you would spend to get that time back? And I said, Huh? I was like, you know what? Having that time is more important than having that money. So I'll go ahead and outsource it. And once I started that, I was able to focus on more other things. I was able to be with my family more, but I was also able to focus on marketing the podcast and sharing it more on social media, sharing it with other people. And then I started to see explosive growth of the podcast itself. And I said, okay, this is how it's supposed to look. During that process, as the podcast was growing, I wound up monetizing the show. And after I monetized the show, after a couple months of being monetized, I was at the point where the podcast was paying for itself now. And I was like, okay, so now what I'm paying this team is coming from the podcast, what it's making right now through affiliate marketing, through paid sponsors, whatever it is, right? And I was like, okay, this is, this is pretty awesome. And during that process, we fully onboarded and started our own team. I, I started with one group, team group, and I wound up kind of firing all those guys. Because my own personal VA was amazing. I wound up bringing my own, I needed an assistant actually at the time. And it was another one of those things where it's like, okay, thinking about how much I would spend versus the time I would get back, having somebody else do these tasks. I said, yeah, worth it. So I hired a VA and then she's just been growing with me, right? I'd give her more tasks and more tasks. And I realized how good she was when it came to actually editing my show doing videos and all this other stuff. And I said, hmm, can you show other people how to do what you do? And she's like, oh, absolutely. I said, do me a favor. I said, I'd like you to train up some more people to be editors the same way that you do it, same exact way that you do it. And then I'm going to let these other folks go. Cause she was actually using my login for my portal and everything. And she was going to pull all my stuff out and, and make all my episodes happen after the editing team took care of it. And I said, look, you're familiar with that portal and everything. And she's like, yeah. I said, okay, cool. I'm going to transition everything over. And I was like, I want you and the people that you train to take over and do all this for the other podcasters that we have that we're helping out. And she was like, oh. And I said, okay, look, let's do like a trial run. So I gave her a couple shows to work on. And I said, practice on these ones. And I had the other team working on it at the same time. And then I compared the two and I'm like, yeah, night and day right? Mm-hmm. I said, okay. I said, look, you're crushing it. I was like, I want you to take this over. And she's like, okay. And she took over and she, the people she trained took over. And yeah, now th- that's how edit pods came to be what it is. And we're starting to take on more and more clients. And we, we, we're doing more things besides just podcast editing. We do social media management as well, because she also manages my social media. And I said, hey, can you do that for other people or train other managers to manage social media the way that you do mine and she's like absolutely it's just been phenomenal and a lot of the tools that we use and actually i got a lot of the tools after i spoke to you there was two people that recommended AppSumo to to me but i i actually took a serious look at it after i had you on my show and that's when i started using a lot of those tools like SendFox and all these other things and i found social media management tools that me and my team use it's just been phenomenal so I have you to thank for that, Sarah. That That's just <laughs> awesome. So a lot of the growth that I've had, again, so this is one of the things that I love about podcasting is the value that I get out of it from my guests. So having you on and telling me about SendFox and all this other stuff from AppSumo. And first of all, I have to say too, you have to be very careful if you go on AppSumo because you could wind up spending a whole paycheck there because there's so much great things. But so I have you to thank for that. And I, I was able to just, use those tools to help me grow and scale my show. And and there's other guests that I've had on that, that have shown me other things. I mean, I had one guest on my show that got me into my biggest real estate deal ever that I'm working on right now. I don't want to talk about it too much because I want it to close, but yeah. So there's, there's just so many benefits you get to being a podcast host and it's just been phenomenal.
0: Yeah. I love that because I think That's something we don't think about when we're first starting a podcast about, I guess people think about monetizing through sponsorships or through their listeners and all of those things can happen and are good as well. But just the networking and connections that you make with whether you're guest or you're on a show and the host, they could introduce you to other people or other things. So you found out about AppSumo through me. Well, now you're working with a guy that used to work at AppSumo Oh yeah. Um, yeah! Oh, by the way, I'd love to hear that story. How that came about with you, Chris, and Phil.
1: So actually, it's funny because I met Phil a long time. It was it was in one of those podcast Facebook groups, and I saw him posting about being a podcast coach. And I said, "Well, I'm doing financial coaching." I was like, "I'm getting pretty good po- at podcasting. So maybe I could be a a podcast coach too." So I was like, "Let me reach out to him and kind of pick his brain a little bit." And and I did and. In talking with him, I'm like, I like this guy. I like him a lot, actually. I, I want to keep him in my network. And we just started building this relationship, right? And it eventually got to the point where I was ready to start getting a little bit more serious about what I was doing you know, with helping other podcasters. And I said, hey, Phil, I want to start a podcast, Mastermind. I'll like, I want you to, to do it with me. And I went and bought this domain name. It's called thepodmastermind.com. And we started a mastermind group. And we brought about six people in and we had this small little private group and we would meet every other Tuesday and we would just go, we'd put people in the hot seat. We'd go over what they were working on and everything else. We helped three people launch their podcast. And then the other three that were already established podcasters just got better, right? Because of of this program we put together. We ran that mastermind for a while. And then after we finished up that first group, we kind of closed it off. And we have it open right now where people can sign up for it. And once we get enough people, we'll go ahead and start another session. But right now, the focus hasn't been on that because one of Phil's clients, Chris, so Phil helped him get started with his podcast. Well, his podcast actually blew up into something where he met so many big-time entrepreneurs doing some amazing things, right? And he started building up his network list. And he put together something based off of his experience called the Podcast Launch Agency. And he said, Hey, Phil, I want you to help me out with this because you were my mentor. You were the one that helped me get here. And then Phil said, Hey, I got a guy that has an editing team and all this other stuff. And we should bring him on as the chief editor for this group. And he's like, okay, yeah, bring him in. Let's have a chat. And then we, we all got on and had a conversation and then the three of us put that together. And that's how that kind of grew. And then yes, because he used to work at AppSumo and, and other places, he had so many connections there. We wound up doing an event with AppSumo. And the podcast launch agency and Academy as well, right? Because the Academy was like the, the challenge that we were doing for that program. And we did a 12-hour live stream, which was pretty brutal, but we split it up, right? Uh, each one of us took four-hour chunks, but Chris kept popping in. And I told him, I was like, dude, go to sleep because <laughs> he's in the UK and I'm out here in Hawaii. So like we, the way we worked it out was it worked out best for all of our time zones. So we did this 12 hour stream. It was pretty awesome. It got a lot of value out of it that we brought guests in and interviewed them and they shared their stuff. Like we had a representative from Podbean there that gave a really great presentation on how to start and launch a successful podcast. We had James Cridland from Pod News. He was there. He was showing some really great statistics and I got to have a really awesome conversation with him about that. So there's just so many people. Deirdre was there from Cap Show. So we just, yeah, it was just a really great event. And then we wound up doing another one a month later. That was just a, just a four hour stream just, (laughs) but yeah, so that was the three of us like popping in and out and and taking care of that. But anyway, I bring that up and I'm, I'm glad you brought that up too, but I bring that up. What's important about that is the fact that the network that we've built thanks to the podcast, right? And this is one of the things I've been talking about a lot lately, both as a guest on podcasts But also at conferences that I spoke at, like I I just spoke at the Real Estate Wealth Builders Conference in Phoenix, and the presentation I gave was how to grow your real estate network through podcasting, both as a host and as a guest. Because you can do it both ways, right? You don't have to have a podcast to grow your network through podcasting. You can go be a guest on other shows. Trust me, if there's shows in the niche that you're a part of, guaranteed they're going to want you on if you're doing some big things in your niche, right? So get out there and meet people and network. But yeah, that's one of the selfish things. Another selfish thing we get to do as podcasters is we get to keep in touch with the guests that we have on the show. And I'm so glad that, that I have because the people that I've met through it uh, have been amazing, like yourself, Sarah, like Phil, like Chris, and just other amazing people that I've had on my show. It's just, they've helped me grow. And that's one of the other things too, that I, I never claimed that I did this by myself, right? I've had so many people help lift me up. And- help me take things to the next level. And I'm not even in my final form yet. So (laughs) I'll pull out a Frieza quote there from Dragon Ball Z. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I love that because when we started this episode, normally I have like bullet points. I was like, you know what? I think with this one, I'm just going to go with the flow. And so I like the direction it's going as far as networking. I think that's a great topic, networking through podcasting and making the connections and even friends. Yeah, I just love going to podcast conferences and either finally meeting people I've been talking with online or maybe I've already met them, but reconnecting again and things like that. And I think most of my friends at this point are podcasters, maybe a handful that live in Dallas, a lot live in Austin, kind of all throughout the U.S. though, so I don't really get to see many of them often. Hopefully we'll meet in person at some point.
1: Yes, I'm going to meet you at one of these conferences one of these days. Yeah,
0: yeah. So this is kind of like a side tangent because you're talking about all these different things that you do and you temporarily had a inflatable club business. I'd love to hear, first of all, how you got the idea. And then we were talking before we got started here that it, it failed basically, which I think is okay to admit. And you learned things through that. So I'm curious what you learned and what that experience was like.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much for bringing up this topic, this sore <laughs> subject. no. <laughs> So yeah, Sarah, so it's called popupclub808.com. It's that website's still up. The business is still there, actually. I'm actually selling the business. I just don't feel like I was the right person to run the business with everything else I had going on. I don't think I put the effort into it to make it take off properly because everyone I talk to, when I tell them what this is and what's going on, they say, this looks awesome. What a great idea. How did you come up with this idea? And sure, let me share with you how I come up with this idea. So I took my daughter to a birthday party last year. They had one of those huge inflatable water slides. She had a great time, right? I don't know why it was in my head, but the very next day I was in a, a charity bowling tournament. And during the tournament, they had like a DJ and lights and all this other stuff. But I, I was thinking you know, about what happened yesterday with my daughter at the the birthday party and while I was thinking about that, I had all this music going on around me and the lights and the DJ. And I'm thinking about that inflatable slide. I said, hey, what if I had an inflatable bounce house, but not like a bouncy floor, just like a flat floor. And I had lights and speakers and smoke machine and stuff inside of it and made like a little mini dance club that somebody could put in their backyard. And instead of having to go out and deal with all this other nonsense in Waikiki or whatever, they can have a party at their house and be like the talk of the town because they get to throw this party with this inflatable nightclub in their backyard. And I said, okay. So I started looking into it. No one's really doing this. Somebody else has thought about this before me, right? But nobody else was really doing it. There was like one person back in the mainland United States doing it that I was able to find. And then it was actually very popular in Europe. And also I found a a, a group out in New Zealand that does it and they're crushing it right now. As a matter of fact, they helped me out a lot when I first started. I was reaching out to them saying, hey, What do you guys use to clean your tents and all this other stuff? Because when I had an event, I'm like, okay, I need to clean this off and figure out how to drive. I was like, and it's huge. It's 20 by 20. It's like the size of a two car garage and they're heavy. It's amazing when you fold these things up and, and how heavy they are. But anyway, so they helped me out a lot with that. So I wound up putting it all together. I hired a marketing team. I was paying a lot of money to this marketing team to run ads and everything else for me. And I wound up getting like one gig in like a 6 month span and I'm like okay one gig out of 6 months and I paid about $40,000 total for all this equipment and everything else this is not sustainable but at the again at the same time I wasn't putting in the the actual effort to it it wasn't until I was in a mastermind group with some other entrepreneurs and we were going over how we were doing for the year it was a simple question that got asked to me when I explained all the things that I was working on and what was working what wasn't and it was a simple question that one of the guys asked me, and he's like, So, Mike, what about that business is actually working out for you? And he put me on the spot here. I was like, ah, I don't know, because I feel like I'm still in my growth stage. He's like, Dude, you've been growing for six months. When, when are you going to rip that bandaid off? I'm like, Oh, man. So, I wound up after that mastermind meeting, I went up to my vision board, which the number one thing I had on there was to scale that business, but I was not meeting the sub goals to get there. And I'm just like, I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do. And I was like, I'm at a point right now where I feel like I'm at a point of no return. I was like, I don't, I don't think I'm the right person to take this business and turn it into what my vision was. I need somebody that can actually do that. So I went up listing the business for sale. It's still for sale right now. If anybody wants to buy it, it's on flippa.com. Go look it up. Pop up club 808. You can buy it. You need to live on Oahu though, because all the materials and stuff are here and it's branded that way. But anyway, so I went up scrapping my entire vision board and completely reassessing everything and one, the other question that was asked in that mastermind, well, what is actually working and what was working and something that I wasn't putting the time or effort into that I should have as well was my podcast editing business, Edit Pods, because I had clients, it was cash flowing. And I just kind of just said, hey, yeah, yeah, it, it's good. Like, I don't have to worry about it, right? My, my team's got it. It's not something that I need to worry about. They were like, well, what if you put the effort into that to scale it? And I started to do that. And I wind up getting some really big clients, and and some that I don't want to talk about right now, just because of how sensitive it is with the project I'm going to be working on for them. But once it gets published, then it's going to be it's going to be getting published probably around January. But I'm helping this company launch a big time podcast that's going to be tied to a TV show. Like the same people on the show will be on the podcast, so it's going to be really awesome. So I'm excited about that. But yeah, so there's a lot of big things that have been coming together and I just realized I had to shift my focus. I had to focus on the things that were working and what I really needed was that reality check, that quote unquote, come to Jesus moment, looking myself in the mirror and saying, okay, this is what reality is. This is what my perception is, but here's what reality is. Let's walk down the real path. That's kind of how that happened.
0: Oh, wow. So, okay. So I know you can't say like what the TV show is and the people and all this stuff, but how did something like that come about or what could you share about that?
1: So I hated running ads for anything, right? Especially with my experience with running ads for the pop-up club business. I don't like running ads. I decided to just, because of that conversation, run an ad for EditPods. I did some Google ads and I just ran it for like two weeks. In that two-week period... The executive producer for this show saw the ad, was very impressed with the website, very impressed with the sample work that I had on there. And they said, well, we've got this stuff that we can do in-house, but what it costs for us to do for these kind of things to do a podcast, it, it would just cost too much. And we were looking at your prices and the quality of your work. And it's like, that's great value. And we want to work with you. And that's kind of how that happened because I ran one ad. and That I, I ad think paid I,
0: off. Yeah,
1: I think I spent like $150 on that ad. Oh wow. And it's going to it's going to land me a possible six-figure client, like bring in the business six figures, so it's kind of insane. Wow. Yeah. So that was cool.
0: <laughs> uh
1: and yeah, so I and I haven't run an ad since. So I, I might run one again, but right Oh, actually no, I did run one. I just paid for an ad in Pod News. It actually came out today in their oh, newsletter today. Oh, I saw today. that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so
1: I I did pay for that. It's crazy because like they do have ad space for like 34 bucks, but you have to get it right like when it first comes months. out. Uh-huh. So like when I was looking at the prices, I was like, this isn't $34. Mm-hmm. This is more than when I paid for the Google ad. Yeah. <laughs> was like, okay, let me, let me just do it once and see what happens. And my website actually already got a ton of traffic today. So that's pretty cool. So at least I know I'm getting some traffic and I'm getting some actual people going to the portal. I haven't checked to see if anybody created an account yet because... It's still early here. It's almost nine o'clock in the morning, but my morning's been filled with writing real estate contracts and putting all of that together and then setting up for this, this interview. So it's been a wild morning. Yeah. For sure.
0: A lot has happened in just before 9am. Yeah. I'd be curious to know how that ad performs. I actually ran an ad f- Friday. So like three okay, days okay. ago for podlab.pro. pro. Okay. It's gotten well. I last saw week. that. I saw yeah. that
1: actually, and I was like, "I said, like, why does this sound so familiar?" And oh now, oh yeah. yeah, this is what we talked about on Messenger a while back. Yeah. So, well, okay, yeah, also- and
0: and a while back ago, I mean, okay. So when I've I've run maybe a handful of ads on Pod News, but I always do the thirty. Well, it used to be twenty nine dollars. Now it's thirty four. But yeah, you have to do it like two months out, and so I set up that ad like two months ago. So far, no one has actually signed up. I think there's been 40-something clicks or something. I don't know. But you know what's weird, though, is you know how their newsletter usually goes out in the morning? Like, I've already seen the newsletter that you're talking about today's, but the one I was in on Friday didn't, at least it didn't hit my inbox until the evening,
1: yeah yeah Friday. I got, I got that one. Well, for me it was like early afternoon, but I'm in Hawaii, right? So, yeah, it was it, it would have been the evening time that it came out. So, I don't know. It's weird because I've gotten newsletters from them at random times. Like it's I don't think there's like a set schedule where they come out. It's just like, okay, it's going to come out this day.
0: Mm-hmm. Don't know
1: when, but sometime this day,
0: you know. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it is kind of sporadic, though it usually seems to be earlier. So, anyway, so I might have gotten screwed in a way for a A Friday evening, people maybe just didn't even see it, but there was another ad I ran a few months back for my production agency, which I'm kind of changing gears a little bit, and a guy who's in a band that I know of, they're not like a huge well-known band, but I mean, well enough to where my, I I have to get used to saying ex-husband. Anyway, knows who they are, has been to their shows and met them. Anyway, he had reached out to me saying he, so that's how he saw my ad or he saw the ad and found out about me. And then we've been in contact. I actually met him in person when I was in LA for a podcast conference a couple months ago. And we haven't officially signed anything or we're not officially working together yet, but there's discussion because he's starting a podcast network. For musicians, artists, authors, anyone kind of in the entertainment space, people who also have a social cause, I guess, kind of attached. That's a whole side tangent. I guess my point is, is that running that ad got me in contact with this person. And so, yeah, yeah. you just never know who might see your ad.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I was just thinking, you know, why not? Why not? Just one, one time, one time. But now that I realize, too, I think on the pod news thing, it's like that the ads refresh at like midnight. But I think it's their time in the UK, which I think there's a 12-hour time difference. So I think like around noontime is when it refreshes for me. So people might be up really late in other areas trying to get to that. For me, it's just 12 in the afternoon. I could sit here and go to the website and hit refresh and try to grab some of those $34 spots, which maybe I'll do that today now that I think about it. So yeah, because it's still early enough. It's almost 9 o'clock, so that'll work out. Yeah,
0: because there's some other ads I would want to run. Part of me is like, well, I don't know exactly what I want to go with or what I want to say, but it's like you got, if you go with a $34 spot, you got two months to edit the ad and figure it
1: out. Yeah. Oh, so actually, so you saw my ad today. I mean, how did you think it was worded? Like, did, did it grab your attention?
0: Yeah, I'm sure tr- there was something about how it was worded that I thought was interesting.
1: Yes, I said, meet edit Pods, your podcast one-stop shop from audio, video editing, audiograms, short videos to social media management and more. They also build custom packages to give you exactly what you need.
0: Yeah. Uh, you know I, now
1: that I think about it, they should be we. Yeah. yeah. I'll fix that on the next one.
0: But yeah, I like where it's like meet edit pods. Yeah. Well, I wanted something that
1: an attention grabber, right? Because I thought about it. I was like, you know, when, when I when I look at these newsletters and I'm scrolling through, like, if it's like a couple sentences, normally I, I'd be able to. I mean, I read it in like two seconds, right? I just scroll through, and if something grabs my attention, I'm like, oh, let me look at this. So yeah, that's, that's why I was like, I wanted something that was going to be like a hook, catchy. I just got to change that one word.
0: So you have the real estate side of things. You have the podcast. You have edit pods. You had the pop-up club. You're doing the mastermind with Phil and Chris. Are there other things that you're working on that are been process or even things that you have done that have either succeeded or failed?
1: You make, you make me feel like I do so much. <laughs> I really feel like I don't do much of, uh, enough at all. Uh, no. So that's really, I think that's everything besides the fact that I did just accept a, a federal position to work for the Navy again as a civilian. That'll be starting here in a couple of weeks. So I'm really excited about that, actually, because I'm, I'm going to be doing Pretty much the exact job I did in the Navy but for better pay and as a civilian. So it's like I, I get to walk away at the end of the day when my when my day's over, I get to leave. It's not like, oh, well, you know, you're in the military. So there is no end day. There's no mm-hmm. end of the day for you. It's you could stay here till nine o'clock at night if we need you to.
0: How does that work as a civilian? So is it like a nine to five situation? Yeah, or? yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah,
1: so I'll just be a federal employee, basically working from I think eight in the morning to three thirty or something like that. Or is four, it remote? Uh, four thirty. Four thirty. Yeah. No, no, it's not remote. It's it's in person. Okay. There is telework available. Like I, I can do like some days I could do teleworking and stuff, which is cool. But honestly, for the job that I have to do, I I, I don't think I would telework. I think I'd go into the office because for the job itself, I pretty much need to be present.
0: Wow. So how are you going to find time? Now, with that's basically a full time job plus just all the other things. How do you find time to balance all that?
1: Yeah. So it, for me, it's outsourcing, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I have my VA taking running most of my stuff, like my podcast and everything else. Like I don't, I don't even post it on social media anymore. It's my VA that takes care of it. She schedules it. The only thing I really do right now is record the content. And I, right now, I do it on Saturdays. I'm going to try to do this thing where you get like every other, Friday off it's called RDO it's like where you could work like nine hours a day for eight days out of the two week period and then you could take like every other Friday off right because you've worked those hours so I'm gonna try to do that and then if I do that I'm gonna make Friday my podcast day so every other Friday I'll do like four interviews right to make sure I'm keeping up with being able to release two episodes a week that's the way I'm gonna do it if not I'm gonna keep doing it on Saturdays and I'll just sporadically move things around as I need to but yeah, I think for me, it's just, I have a really great team on the back end that I can focus more on doing the things that I want to do while the team runs everything. And I, I kind of feel like I'm more of just like the face of these programs now and the the team itself is the backbone, right? So I'm, I'm the head, but they're the neck and the spine that actually hold the head up, right? Because mm-hmm. if it wasn't for them, I'd be all floppy. So <laughs> yeah, they've been great. My, my team's been amazing. So I, that's the other thing too. Like, I feel like, you can do whatever the heck you want in life if you have the right team behind you, 100%. Mm-hmm.
0: I think that's a good thing to close on. So was there anything that we hadn't discussed that you wanted to make sure that you touched on or covered? No, I don't think
1: so. And, and surprisingly, for for what, 47 minutes of recording, we, we got a lot of stuff out there. And <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's just really good. I, that, that also goes to show how awesome of a host you are with extracting information out of somebody. So I appreciate it. It's, it's been really fun.
0: Yeah, well, thank you for coming on. And yeah, if people want to check you out, they can go to Mike Cavagioni, and that is spelled C-A-V-A-G-G-I-O-N-I. Perfect. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it.
1: Sarah, it was a blast. Thank you so much for having me today.
0: Are you a frugalpreneur looking to connect with like-minded individuals? Join our community on Slack